You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. Kia ora te whānau. Uh, tēnā tātou, koutou hoki i ngā tamariki o te riki, te aroaro o tō tātou ātua o ihu karaiti. Uh, kā nui ngā mihi māhana ki a koutou, uh, nā reira noku te honore ki te mihi māna hau ki a koutou i tēnei rā. Tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou, tēnā tātou, katoa. Uh, Talofa Lava Church, happy Māori Language Week. Hey, I'm so excited to bring in the word of the Lord for us uh, today. Uh, so why don't you go on ahead, get your Bibles out, open your Bible app. Uh, let's pray. Lord, speak to us. You've got our full attention. Lord, we long uh, to hear your word today. We long to be fed with your word. Uh, We long to be deeply rooted in your word, O God, because it is your word that is gonna lead us. It's your word that's gonna guide us, encourage us, and remind us and direct us, particularly in these times that we are living in. And so God, right now, I pray that you would bless the reading of your word, bless the hearing of your word, bless the preaching of your word, and may it be to the glory of your name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Uh, We're currently in the second week of our sermon series uh, that's called Unusual Things. Uh, We're exploring some of the amazing stories in the Bible uh, that seem unexpected or unusual. But when I say unexpected and unusual, I don't want you to get me wrong though, because just because uh, it may seem unusual and unexpected and strange in our human minds, it don't necessarily mean that that's the case with God. Uh, Oftentimes we look at something or we look at someone or we look at a place and we often discount it because we just can't seem to figure out how this object is going to serve a significant purpose. We look at it and we discount it because in our human minds, to use this person with this weakness or this person with this limitation or that thing created for that purpose and use it for this purpose would be to go against the natural order of things. It'll be to go against the natural flow of things. And so we look at the rod, we look at the jawbone of a donkey, we look at the five smooth stones, we look at the barren woman, the leper, the prostitute, the Gentile, the unclean, five loaves and two fish, and we say, hmm, unusual, unexpected, strange. But God looks at these things, God looks at these people instead and He says, miracle. He interrupts, the, uh, he interrupts the natural order of things in order to fulfill His plan and His purposes. You see, He isn't uh, subject to our limitations. God is not subject to our weaknesses. God is not subject to our restraints. And so it is in the miraculous that we see firsthand a glorious display of God's greatness, His power, His sovereignty, His might, and His love. And so my prayer is that as we look at these amazing stories, that you would begin to see God uh, as the miracle working God that He truly is and live in such a way that glorifies Him. Our text this morning is found in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 1 to 7. And I'm reading from the New King James Version. It's there on the screen. You can follow along. Here's what it says. And the sons of the prophets said to Elisha, see now, The place where we dwell with you is too small for us. Please let us go to the Jordan and let every man take a beam from there and let us make there a place where we may dwell. So he, Elisha, answered, go. Then one of them said, please consent to go go with your servants. And Elisha answered, I will go. So he went with them and when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. But as one was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water and he cried out and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. And so the man of God said, where did it fall? And he showed him the place. So he cut off a stick and threw it in there and he made the iron float. Therefore, he said, pick it up for yourself. 
So he reached out his hand and he took it. Today, I would like to share a message that is simply titled, Positioned for a Miracle. In the text, we see a group of men who are dedicated to God, who are devoted to God. They are called the sons of the prophets. And many scholars of the Bible say that these men would have been studying the Word of God. They would have been practicing how to prophesy. They're all being discipled by their leader, their teacher, their mentor. His name is Elisha. And these men would have just absolutely studied the Word of God. And so the more they began to grow in knowledge and understanding of God's Word, the more they began to grow in number. And so what we see at the beginning of the text is this request to make a bigger dwelling place, to create bigger space, to make room so that they are all able to house everybody in there. At the start of the text, we already see that there's a desire to grow some more. There's a desire to become more effective. There's a desire to expand the ministry. But notice that these men don't want to go on and build without the presence of their leader. You see, in much the same way that Moses said to God, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't send us up from here. We've got a group of men who are saying, we want to build a bigger building. We want to grow. We want to expand, but we don't want to do it without you. And so Elisha agrees to go with them. They go on down to the Jordan. They go from Jericho to Jordan. They're wanting to build by the Jordan River. And you see, the Jordan River is a place known for its miracles. They go to work. And the Bible says that while one guy was working, while he was chopping down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. I want us to take a moment here and just pause for a second and observe this young man who has found himself in a bit of a dilemma. Let me ask you today, how do you usually respond in moments where things aren't going so well? How do you uh, respond in these times of uncertainty that we are living in? How do you respond to pressure? Here are three of the most common responses that I've heard so many times, and I'm pretty sure that you're probably familiar with them. Here's the first response. I've lost it. I've absolutely lost it. You see, one of the things that I absolutely love about catching up with family and coming together at family gatherings, the one thing that I look forward to at the end of every family meeting is that moment where uh, one particular family member at the end of the gathering starts to tap his chest and tap his sides. He isn't trying to uh, express how happy he is though. He isn't celebrating salmon style. He isn't slap dancing. He's not even trying to catch no mosquitoes, but you realize what he's doing when he says, I've lost it. I've lost the keys. I can't find the keys. We've all got that one family member who always seems to misplace the keys of the car. And so what was meant to be this amazing, fun, peaceful uh, family lunch has now turned into this scavenger hunt where every man, woman and child is now out looking for the keys. And the real reason that everybody is looking for the keys is because you all realize that this one particular family member is parked behind everybody else and they've blocked you all in. And so you've got to find the keys. Otherwise, no one, nobody would be able to leave. You know, if we're really honest with ourselves, sometimes we can be a bit like that in our response. We can be in the middle of the will of God. We're right where God wants us to be. We are working hard in the ministry. We're running the small group. We're living the dream. We've got the job. We've got the house, food on the table every single day. Children are happy. But because of disappointments and tragedy and uncertainty, we somehow seem to lose things along the way. We're running the ministry, but we've lost our effectiveness. We're preaching the gospel, but we've lost the power. We're going to church, but we've lost the fear of the Lord. 
were married, but we've somehow seemed to lost the butterflies. And you're probably saying, I, I, I don't feel wooed like I used to when I first met them. You know, you've got the dream job, but we seem to have lost the motiv- motivation to get on up and out of bed. That, so the job that once was a blessing has now become a curse. And so every day in the office is a nightmare. You can't stand your boss. You can't stand the lady at the reception. You can't stand the work environment. Perhaps you're even saying, uh, I've got the children that I prayed for. I've got the children that I asked God for, but I've seemed to have lost the patience to raise them and take care of them. And so just like the man with the ax head that fell into the water and was lost, all you're saying now is, I've lost it. I've lost it. I've lost the joy. I've lost the peace. I've lost hope. I've lost the faith. I've lost the courage. And the problem with that response is that as long as you've got your attention fixed on what you've lost, you will never be able to move forward. Here's a second response. Uh, The second response says this, I just need to finish. I just need to accomplish this. I just need to achieve this. I just need to finish. You see, the young man who had this X probably didn't stop to check the X. It was common practice to regularly check the X to ensure that no bolts had come undone, check that the X was still sharp, check that there aren't any issues with the X. And many scholars of the Bible say that it was normal for the X head to come loose from the handle, but it was important for the worker to regularly check the X because checking the X was an opportunity to stop and make adjustments if you needed to. It was an opportunity to rest before you carried on again. It was an opportunity to reposition yourself if you needed to. You see, the thing is, if the axe is blunt and the axe head is loose, you will struggle to chop down the tree. You start to exert more energy. You begin to put in more effort. You ignore all the warning signs and even start to risk your own health and safety uh, by using a tool that is now no longer fit for purpose. So many people, so many people live with this kind of mentality that says, I just need to finish it. I just need to accomplish this. I just need to achieve this. If it means I've got to ignore the caution signs and work all night long and carry on chopping this tree down with one bolt holding this ax to the handle, then so be it. If it means I've got to work harder and put my life on the line to earn this promotion, then so be it. We become so motivated and driven so badly by accomplishment that we refuse to take a moment to catch our breath and reevaluate, reflect and recoup. We become so consumed by our job that we don't even have time for family and friends no more. We've become so consumed by our desire for success that we're willing to step on everyone and anybody to get to the top. And people become an inconvenience to you because all you wanna do is finish the job. I've got this task I need to finish. I need to achieve this. I need to accomplish this. You're going from this thing to the next thing to the next thing. And so you don't have time to stop and do a mental check to see how you are. You don't have time to stop and and check emotionally how you are, check how you are doing spiritually. But you continue to work away. Your friendships are becoming undone. Your body is under a lot of pressure. Your family is breaking up, but you can't stop and think about those things right now because you just need to finish. I just need to accomplish this. I need to achieve this. And the problem with this kind of a response is that you complete the job, you get the success, you get the award, but you lose everybody else in the process. You lose those who are so dear to you and you lose everything so dear to you. Perhaps uh, this third response resonates with you and this is one of my personal favorites. Uh, This response says, I'm all goods. I'm all goods. You see, the reason the young man was able to work was because of the axe head. The moment he lost the axe head, all he had left was the handle. And you can't chop no tree down with no, with no handle. So you see, this kind of response is based on performance. It's the idea that says, I can do all things 
by myself. I don't need no exit to cut down the tree. I don't need no exit to show that I can do this. I can do this with my own strength. I can do this with my own knowledge. I can do this with my own understanding. And so perhaps the fear of being rejected seeps in. The fear of not being good enough seeps in. The, the fear of or the, the need to control the outcome seeps in. Uh, perhaps pride seeps in. And what happens is we start to shift into performance mode and we get to work with just the handle. I've got no ex head, but I'm all good. I'm gonna figure it out. I'm not coping really well, but if they ask me, I'm gonna say I'm all good because I don't want them to think that I can't do this. I'm struggling with this addiction, but if they ask me, I'm gonna say, nah, I'm all good because I don't want them to reject me. I'm being made redundant, but if they ask me, I'm gonna say, I'm all good. I don't want them to think that my family is suffering and we're gonna be poor. Uh, I've been diagnosed with this illness, but if they ask me, I'm gonna say, no, 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 I'm all good because I need to be strong for my family. And so you've lost the ex head, but you're holding on to the handle and you're watching the ex head go down into the water. You're watching your relationships go down into the water. You're watching your ministry go down into the water. You're watching your business go down into the water. Your employment go down into the water. But hey, if they ask me, I'm gonna say I'm all good. And you see the problem with this response is that you think by ignoring what's really going on inside, you are able to perform your way to victory. You think that by doing more and working away and keeping up the front and putting on the performance, you are able to change and correct and better your situation, but you will find yourself only tired and worn out. You see, all of these three responses have one thing in common. They seek to solve the problem through self-effort. They seek to exalt our human efforts. They seek to better our circumstance through human strength and human understanding. Can I be honest with you, church? During this lockdown, I've often found myself responding in either one or all of these, all of these responses. But I wanna remind you, church, the next time you find yourself losing your patience, losing your joy, losing your peace, the next time you find yourself under pressure to perform and, ha and to have all the answer, uh, the, the, the next time you realise you're trying to control things because they seem to be slipping through your fingers, I want you to flip that thing on its head and remind yourself, actually, I'm being positioned right now for a miracle. Yes, the ax head has fallen. Yes, I've got only the handle in my hand, but I'm right where I need to be for a miracle. Yes, I'm in the storm. Yes, there's tragedy in my neighbourhood. Yes, my family is broken. Yes, I could be losing my job. Yes, my business isn't making profit. My ministry isn't growing. My studies are hard right now. I've been given three months to live. But even right now, where I am right now, in the midst of everything that is going on in my life right now, don't get it twisted because I'm being positioned right now for a miracle. You see, we look at dire situations, we look at limitations, we look at weaknesses, and we say, God couldn't possibly use that. God, that wouldn't make sense. That'll be strange. That'll be unusual. That'll be unexpected. But God looks at the situation and He says, let me show you who the real miracle worker is. Let me remind you who the real God is. Let me turn this around for your good because you love me. Let me remind you how this story ends. Turn to someone in your bubble and say, you are positioned for a miracle. Amen. And I know you're probably wondering right now, at what point do we get the application to the sermon? Here it is. If you ever find yourself responding in, one of, in, in any of these ways, here's what I want you to do. Number one, acknowledge. You need to acknowledge that you've lost it. You need to acknowledge that you've lost your peace. Acknowledge that you've lost your joy. Acknowledge that you've lost your confidence. Acknowledge that you've not taken the time to stop and reevaluate. Acknowledge that you're not all good. You see, the young man cried out and he said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. 
There is an acknowledgement that's being made. There is an honest confession that's being made. The man is willing to acknowledge that he has lost the axe head. He is willing to acknowledge that he doesn't know what to do right now. He is willing to acknowledge that his strength is limited. But he makes an acknowledgement to his master. He lets his master know that he is stuck. He lets his master know that he is struggling. He lets his master know that he has lost the axe head. There's a man in the Bible whose son was possessed by an evil spirit. He brought his son before Jesus. And the Bible says that when they brought the boy to Jesus, the evil spirit saw Jesus and started to throw the boy into a violent convulsion. And he fell to the ground foaming at the mouth. Jesus asks the boy's father, how long has this been happening? And the man says, it's been happening since he was a little boy. And oftentimes the spirit throws him into the fire and throws him into the water trying to kill him. But hey, help us if you can. And Jesus turns to the man and says, what do you mean if I can? Anything is possible if a person believes. And the man says to Jesus, yes, Jesus, I do believe, but help my unbelief. An acknowledgement was being made. He acknowledged that there was unbelief. He acknowledged that he struggled to believe. You see, this man actually brought his son to the disciples before him and they, they prayed for the boy, but he wasn't delivered and healed. And so this man could have easily given up and turned away. The disappointment he would have felt after realizing that the disciples couldn't heal him and deliver the boy would have been enough reason for him to turn around and walk away. But he does the complete opposite of that. He doesn't go off and drown himself in sorrows. He doesn't go and try to fix it himself. He doesn't view his son as an inconvenience and then try to neglect him. He does a complete opposite. Not only does he bring the boy to Jesus, he also brings his unbelief to Jesus as well. He makes an acknowledgement. You need to know that to acknowledge, to be open and honest in your conf confession is always the place where restoration begins. Here's the second thing you need to do. Go back. Go back to where you lost the axe head. Go back to where you realized something had gone, gotten loose. Go back to where you realized your pride started to get in the way. You see, Elisha said to the student, where did it fall? And the student showed Elisha the place. In the original language of the Bible, the word where is often used to refer to the direction. Elisha is asking his student, which direction is it going? He isn't talking about absolute location where you've got to uh, pull out the map and, and look at the coordinates of the place. He isn't talking about longitude or latitude. He is talking about the direction. Is it looking like it's going upward or is it looking like it's going downward? You see, same thing happened when God came looking for Adam in the garden. He said, where are you? Show me where you're headed. God wasn't asking Adam to give him his street address or, his, his, or the name of his town. He was asking him, show me the direction that you're heading towards. It isn't because God didn't know or didn't see. He's an omnipresent God, omniscient God. He's an all-knowing God. But by asking Adam the question, where are you? Adam came to realize that he was headed in the wrong direction. And so God is saying to Adam, to Adam tell me where you're headed. Show me where you're running off to. Show me the direction with which you are choosing to go right now. What I'm trying to help you see, uh, church, is that you cannot expect God to restore that which you are not willing to reveal to Him. Because as long as we're hiding behind performance and as long as we're putting up the front, as long as we're trying to fix it ourselves, we will never see the true restoration that only God can give. And so going back to is going to require uh, you to reveal to God the place where you realized uh, you were starting to head in the wrong direction. Going back to the place where you realized where things started to go back. Go back to the place where you realized you were starting to push God further and further away. Here's the third thing that you need to do. Trust 
God. Trust God to restore what you've lost. Trust God to heal the areas where things have gotten loose. Trust God to do the doing. The story goes on to say that the moment that the student acknowledged that the axe head had fallen into the water, the moment that he went back to the place and showed his master the place that, where it had fallen, Elisha chops a bit of the tree, he throws it into the water, and the axe head floated to the top. It's important for us to realize that after we've made an acknowledgement, after we've gone back to the place, we need to trust God. We need to put our faith in God. We need to believe that God is able to do the miraculous. You see, the word trust in the Hebrew language is this idea of being inside a surrounding wall of, uh, of protection. In ancient times, people lived in walled cities. And so they looked to their walls, uh, their walls uh, for their safety and their security. They had confidence in their walls to protect them. This is what the psalmist uh, David means when he says that God is my refuge. God is my fortress. He was looking not to the walls of his home for his security and safety. He looked to God, his fortress, his refuge, and he felt safe. He felt protected because God was his safety in times of trouble. To trust is to put your confidence not in the surrounding wall of your career or your wealth or your understanding or your strength. Trust is the confidence that says God is my surrounding wall. Things may be happening all around right now, but God is my surrounding wall. The economy may be looking really bad right now, but God is my surrounding wall. Tens of thousands may be dying all around me, but God is my surrounding wall. Let me encourage you, trust God. We have to believe that God sees what we cannot, uh, what we cannot see. We have to trust that God is moving even when we can't see it or feel it. We have to trust that God is able to do the impossible. We have to trust that God is able to do the miraculous right now. And here's my fourth and final point for you this, today. Reach out. Reach out and take what God has restored. You see, the Bible says that Elisha said to the student, pick it up for yourself. And so the student reached out his hand and took the floating axe head. Turn to someone in your bu uh, bubble and say, uh, reach out. Amen. Reach out speaks to activation of faith. It takes faith to reach out and grab hold of the floating exit. It takes faith to apply for the job again, even after you've been declined several times. It takes faith to continue to uh, give even when it looks like you might go without. It takes faith to forgive even when they killed your family member. It takes faith to love even when they're lying on you and talking about you. It takes faith to continue to have church online even though we're in the middle of a lockdown. Oftentimes, we want God to not only make the axe head float to the surface, but we want Him to make the, the axe head uh, rise up into the air and have it come straight into our hand. But you see, God, so loving, so gracious, chooses instead to partner with us. And so He says to us, reach out and grab it. When the Israelites were in the wilderness with no food to eat, God sent bread from heaven. And when the bread fell, it didn't fall into the mouths of the people of Israel. Uh, the bread fell outside of their tent. One scholar of the word put it this way, the bread fell within their reach. It was their responsibility to get on up and get out of the tent and gather the bread. But regardless of whether they did it or not, the bread fell and it fell within their reach. There's an element of stretching that needed to be applied. There's an element of faith that needed to be applied. You see, God is going to perform the miracle for you regardless, but it is up to you to decide whether you are going to get up and reach. 
And you may say, well, are we gonna trust God to do the miracle or are we gonna get up and reach? You see, it isn't a matter of, is it this or is it that? It's a matter of both and. I'm trusting God to make the ax head float, but I'm gonna activate my faith and get on up and reach out and take it. You see, we're living in a time of so much uncertainty right now. And maybe you're tuning in today and you're saying, Yes, that's me. I'm the one who has lost my joy. I'm the one who's lost uh, a peace. I'm the one who's lost the patience. I'm, I'm the one who is driven by success so much so that I'm beginning to lose my family and my friends in the process. I'm the one who is too proud to acknowledge that I need help. I've got news for you, my friend. We have a master who is able to restore that which we have lost. He is a miracle working God. And the Bible says He is the God who works wonders. He is the God who makes His might known among the people. And we need only to acknowledge and let Him know that we've lost our joy, lost our peace and lost our hope. We need only to go back to the place and show Him the place where we started to head in a different direction. We need only to trust Him to bring restoration. And we need to be willing to reach out and take hold of the miracle that He has done. And so perhaps the situation that you seem to find yourself in right now was only just an opportunity for God to show you how much of a miracle worker He truly is. Perhaps all along you were being positioned for a miracle. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word that continues to remind us, God, that You are a miracle working God. What a joy it is to know God, that we can trust you, that we can put our hope in you, we can put our faith in you. And so right now in the name of Jesus, I pray for every single person under the sound of my voice who may be struggling, oh God, with their trust and with their faith in you. I pray God that there would be such a boldness and a courage, Lord, that will begin to rise up within them, Lord, that they will begin to have their faith put in you, place their trust in you, place their hope in you. And thank you, God, that right now a beautiful exchange is beginning to happen. And so we give you our worries, Lord. And thank you, God, that uh, as we give you our worries, Lord, you will give us peace. As we give you our fears, oh God, that you will give us courage. And so, Lord, we just bring everything that we may be struggling with right now, God, and we lay it at the feet of Jesus. And we thank you, God, that you are a miracle working God and you are able to do miracles for us. In Jesus' name, amen. There's one more group of people that I wanna pray for. And perhaps you're tuning in right now. And the question that you're asking is not, where did my joy fall? Where did my peace fall? Where did I lose my confidence? Where did I lose my effectiveness? Perhaps the question that you're asking is, where do I start? Where is my starting point to walking in freedom? Where is my starting point to experiencing the love of God that you keep piping up about? Where is my starting point to discovering who I was created to be and what I was created for? Can I encourage you? Your starting point is not a location, it's not a religion. Your starting point is a person and his name is Jesus. You see, the Bible says that God loves you. He created you and He created you to know Him. He created you to enjoy relationship with Him forever. But the Bible talks about this barrier that keeps us disconnected from God. You see, that barrier, that disconnect is caused by sin. And sin is doing things our own way and walking in disobedience to God. It is that sin that separates us from God. It is that sin that disconnects us from God. But also the penalty of that sin is death. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death. But you see, it didn't stop there. God in His grace, He sent His own Son, Jesus, to die on the cross so that you and I didn't have to pay the wages of sin. 
And so when Jesus died on the cross, He took on Himself what you and I were due for our sin. And so He extends to every one of us today His grace, forgiveness for our past, a new life right now, a hope for your future and eternal life with Him in heaven. But you see, we must turn away from sin. We must turn away from disobedience, turn away from doing things our own way and turn to Jesus. Put our trust in Jesus, believe in Jesus Christ, because the Bible says that whosoever believes in Him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And so if that's you today and you're saying, I wanna be connected to God, I want to come into relationship with God, I want to stop doing things my way and I wanna live for God, if that's you, then I want you to pray this prayer with me. I want you to repeat this prayer after me and you've got nothing to be afraid of and you've got absolutely nothing to be ashamed about as well. Ain't nobody tuning into the service was born holy. We're all sinners who have been saved by grace. But I want you to know that we're all here for you and we've got your back. I also need you to know that this prayer doesn't save you. Jesus saves you. But this prayer is an act of faith. It's an expression of you putting your faith and trust in Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I know that I am a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I, I believe that you died for my sins and you rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and I invite you to come into my heart and into my life. I wanna trust you. I wanna follow you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hey, listen, if you prayed that prayer today, we are so proud of you. Congratulations and welcome home. Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Center podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancenter.org.nz.